Hello and welcome to Notes from Musicians' Kitchens. I'm Jennifer Johnston and during this series I'll be talking to prominent music professionals about the relationship between food and music and everything in between. Notes from Musicians' Kitchens is a subscription-only online cookbook and mixology resource written by musicians from all over the world, sharing their food traditions and tastes to raise money for Help Musicians UK, a charity financially assisting musicians adversely affected by the music industry shutdown during the pandemic. Food is not just a universal need, but also a universal link to our homes and communities, and a universal pleasure, just like music. We rely on food in the same way that we rely on music during extraordinary times like these, to bring structure and a feeling of normality to our days, to alleviate boredom and frustration, to entertain, to strengthen the feeling of community and to bring comfort, joy and solace. Notes from Musicians' Kitchens is a means of digitally breaking bread with each other, of sharing and appreciating our diverse food cultures, and of creating new memories. Please subscribe at www.notesfrommusicianskitchens.com. It's a one-off payment of only £10, every penny of which is a donation to Help Musicians UK, and you can also follow our progress on our dedicated Facebook and Instagram pages. I'm delighted that my guest this week is Natalie Stutzmann, the superstar French contralto and conductor, one of my musical heroes, talking to me from her home in Switzerland. Natalie was born to parents who were opera singers and often on tour, so grew up spending a lot of time with her grandparents who owned a bakery. You'll hear her talk about how cooking is a tribute to her grandmother, about cooking healthily with high-quality ingredients, about the relationship between food and music, and about the magic properties of Bach. Plus, how she's coped during the current crisis and about rejecting fear and retaining hope when everything looks bleak. Now to introduce my guest. Natalie Stutzmann is considered one of the most outstanding musical personalities of our time, with parallel careers as a world-renowned contralto and as a charismatic star conductor. Proclaimed the best contralto in the world by Bayard Classique, Natalie has spent her career performing with the world's greatest conductors and orchestras. Particularly acclaimed for her performances of Bach, Mahler, Brahms and Schubert, she is also a highly praised recitalist. As a conductor, her core repertoire is focused around the Romantic era, ranging from Beethoven, Brahms and Vorjak through to the larger symphonic forces of Mahler, Strauss, Tchaikovsky and Wagner, as well as French Impressionism. I'm delighted that she joins me. Welcome to Notes from Musicians' Kitchens. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Oh, trying to survive. (laughs) I don't even know where you are. I am am in my atelier in Genève and uh, I live in in Switzerland, but uh, I I miss my family in France. I miss everything. I miss music tremendously, like we all. I miss almost everything I love. And the only only remaining thing is food, actually. (laughs) In all of the recipes that have been submitted to Notes from Musicians' Kitchens, yours has had by far the most hits. 
facts on the internet and the most like. <laughs> and just to say to people listening, it's the ultimate quiche Lorraine. It is the best. And so in the recipe itself, you talk about where you come from and how important food is. Is that one of the things that you would generally serve to special guests at a party? You know, I am cooking a lot of different things. Um, I have quite a large register, a much larger than a contralto voice. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and uh, this is this is mostly something I would do for myself, for my close friends. Just like, oh, let's do it in ten minutes. I am so quick now to do it because I did it a lot. Um, but I, I love I love this idea of um, uh, keeping this kind of food from my region, from my origins, uh, as well as I cook international food, mainly French and Italian, of course, because this those, this is my background, but. But this region has these kind of specialities, which are quite famous in the world, actually. You go to New York, people know about the Quiche Lorraine, and Lorraine is just the name of this region. And uh, I also grew up in a family where my, especially my two grandmother, were food lovers, but in a very, the most modest, simple way. That means every day we had good things to eat without even knowing it. Uh, it was a part of the daily pleasure. It was always everyone sitting at the table for lunch and dinner. Uh, no question, no sandwich. No, it, it it just doesn't exist in the in in, <laughs> in this way of of. And I, I just have so many memories already. The smell in when when you when you sneak up in the morning and uh, eleven you. Oh, that's for today. That's for you know. We don't know at that time when we when we have this that it's it's such a part of the joy of being a part of the family. And do you have certain other dishes that at times like this, which are <laughs> difficult and sad at times, are the things that you think back to your grandmothers and think, I know, I'm going to cook this because it makes me happy. It will improve my mood. Every time I cook something that I learned from, from the grandmother, I feel like a tribute to her memory. Like, I feel like she's still alive because when I cook and I do that, she, also my grandfather was, he was a baker. They were, I, I, so I grew up in this baker because my parents were both singers and they were most of the time on the roads. And I grew up when I, from age four until nine in the bakery. So um, there, there was the smell of the, the bread and the, and the brioche and everything, but also this wonderful cooking. And every time I cook this kind of things, it's a comfort. So in hard times, I have this, um, this uh, how do you say, reflex to, to just bring and cook something which would be a tribute to this good memory of good times. It's true. In the bakery, I mean, I love French patisserie and bakeries. I mean, they're amazing. Were you allowed to help when you were young or were you kept very much out of the bakery itself? Yeah, I, I, I was just helping to sell sometime. Uh, and especially on Sundays, if I was helping in the, in the shop, when, when the, especially when the church the uh, bakery was just in front of the church. So every time the, the church was, the, the, the Grand Mess was finished, everyone was coming to buy bread. And, you know, especially Sundays in France, everyone buys patisserie, cakes and everything. So it was so crowd of people. So I could, I could help. And if I help well, I get some money for the, for the <laughs> cookies or whatever. Now, when 
I saw you last, you gave me something to taste, which was a another specialism of the region. Could you describe it? Oh, it's, it's a different thing from what many people would think of as a macaron because yeah. of the ladure style sandwich. But what you gave me was a, a completely different thing. What What is in it? So it's it's made with the, the white part of the eggs and some mantle. Uh, I don't know exactly everything about it, how it's made, but I know it's 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 very old, ancient receipt which comes from the king, uh, and it and and it has been. It's called the macaron of Nancy, uh, and is as famous as the bergamot of Nancy, which are also uh, from uh, from the history of the city, which is from Louis XIV uh, and uh, Lebzinska, who was there. So we have this beautiful opera house with the, this beautiful. Uh, uh, Place Stanislas, which is, has been voted one of the most beautiful places in, uh, in Europe. And you have all this, which was built for the king. And there were also this kind of food, which was uh, from, this, uh, from this history. And it's delicious. I, for me, it's much better than the uh, La Durée. Sorry for La Durée, it's good. But it's, the <laughs> consistency is much more crunchy outside and soft inside. So it's very sensual. And when you start to eat it, uh, it's also it's crunchy and then it's becoming like uh, almost like a chamallow and it's just just extraordinary yeah really delicious I've never eaten anything quite like it I have to say yeah, it's quite addictive yeah dangerously so I would imagine <laughs> in French traditions like they are quite different I would say from certainly British traditions not just in terms of patisserie but also bread itself do you have a preference when it comes to bread? Oh yes, I, I mean, uh, where I live, I have, there is a, a baker which makes a fantastic French baguette, but, but a French baguette in the traditional way, which means really well cooked. I hate this kind of white bread that you see everywhere nowadays. Many people, they are, oh, please, please, not too cooked. And it, I, every time I make a scandal in the shop, I said, no, no, I want the real bread. What do you mean? I mean a bread which has color, which is crispy, crusty, and which is light inside. So when you get this kind of traditional baguette made with the good, um, good furniture, good, uh, I don't know how you call this, uh, farine, you know, the, uh, the, the, the flour. Yes. So good quality. Uh, it can be horrible a baguette but it can be the best thing and i mean honestly when you take this you just cut it crunchy you put some fresh butter the micelle and that's it that's enough it's heaven cakes wise i mean we are in our job supposed to look after ourselves and not eat too many silly things but um do you have a preference for those too i am not at all a cake person i i prefer everything salty and uh I, I don't know how to cook a cake. I never cooked a cake in my life. The only thing I like and I do is a tarte. Oh, Mirabelle, of course, from my region. This is the special fruit, Mirabelle, uh, which comes from Lorraine. Uh, and I, I, I do also the, the confiture of Mirabelle or quetch, all those fruits coming from my region. Uh, and the tarte aux pommes, uh, crusty tarte aux pommes, I do also in the Alsace way with some cream and eggs. Uh, that's all. But but I love it. I, I love the, the fruit uh, tarts. The travelling that's involved in our industry normally, not at the moment, clearly, makes life quite challenging at times, I think. Particularly, I would say, for a conductor. 
where you can find yourself somewhere, but working terribly long hours and very hard. Do you struggle then to find a way into eating the way you might want when you're away? I, I do suffer a lot about that. I must say, this is the, the, the thing I, I just enjoyed so much during those empty weeks was the fact that I was finally able to eat extremely healthy and good. I choose my product. I go to the market. Uh, I love it and I love food, but I, I not in a giant way, in the quality way. And as you say, um, as a conductor, you never have time of anything. And uh, even, even when I did opera last time, I, I, I didn't take a flat because I knew I was not able to have any time to, to go and buy already something to cook. Uh, the result is that for many years I took weight, not because I eat too much, because I eat not good. I don't know what they put in restaurants, but even if it's good, you always take much more weight than when you cook yourself. And uh, actually, last August, I decided to do a, a strong diet because I was taking one kilo every year because of this traveling and jet lag and everything. And actually, <laughs> the last uh, three months, because of this stop, I, I lost five more kilos and it's perfect. And I feel, again, very athletic and, and light and healthy. But it's, I just realized that it's not that I had bad habits. It's really what is imposed to us. How many how many times we don't have time to eat and, and then after we are starving so we eat a sandwich in a plane or then we have the jet lag and then you eat at night when it's not good for your body plus i find in the food register there is a, such a standardization of choices uh, i don't know if that word exists standardization but it's yes, like it's exactly the same in english okay good so you yeah. go in every place in every city in the world the only meat you find is beef the only fish you find is salmon. The only salad you find is a, is a chèvre salad. Or you know what I mean? It's, it's always the same food everywhere. And that's, that is really difficult. And most of the time, if you have also to eat alone, it's very boring. I, for me, food is something so nice to share. Nothing is better than cooking for friends. Tonight, I have friends coming home. Uh, not a lot because we are not allowed to have too many people, but... Uh, it was such a joy this morning to to go and think about what I would do tonight. And and uh, we are so often uh, in this solitude on, on the traveling. So I, I think maybe in opera, when you have a cast of singers, which are nice, and you have sometimes this good atmosphere, you can have much more time together. Maybe it makes it easier. But uh, yeah, for the conductor, it's, it's, it's difficult. So what I did recently, I... When I was traveling before, for example, I had like five weeks in, in America, I decided I go only one time a day in a restaurant. That saved me a little bit. I also think in terms of American food, that's very complicated anyway, because their portion sizes are so much bigger than we are yeah, used to almost. eating in Europe. You're confronted with more food than one person could ever reasonably be expected to eat. So I find that challenging as well. You sort of overfaced. You get to the point where you look at it and actually aren't hungry anymore anyway. Absolutely. So maybe it's good for my diet. <laughs> what will you cook this evening then? So this evening, I will, uh, we will start with a little uh, watermelon with some feta cheese, which I mix with. I have some mint, French mint from my garden. Oh. And uh, it's very light because it's quite hot today. And uh, after I will do a blanquette de veau, or Zasperge verte, 
champignon. I don't know how you say that. And then I will finish with um, a mix of red fruits, strawberries, elderberries, uh, four, four different kinds of, of fruits. So but quite all, healthy. Yeah, all, all um, biologic. Organic, you say organic. Organic, yes. Lockdown has lifted slightly, I think, in Switzerland. But the last few weeks um, or months even now have been quite a challenge for many countries in terms of what's been available. Have you noticed any shortages in the supermarkets? At the beginning, at the beginning of the story, um, it was clear that there was this panic. And I don't think it became concrete because of the shops. It became like that because of the people who were panicking and who were just starting to buy three kilos of rice or whatever. It was, it was clearly uh, happening. Or sometimes your favorite product, you don't find the same. You can find some pasta, but not the regular one you like, you know. It, it quickly came uh, much better. And today, I think, I don't, I don't really feel it's difficult. So I also come across sometimes, you know, just we have friends so close. So I go to, to the friends, French market and it, it's okay. It's fine. Is it worse in, in England? Similar panic levels, in fact, probably worse than the rest of Europe, I think. Um, in particular, there were some really strange shortages. We had shortages of toilet rolls. Oh, yeah, which, we had that too. We had that too. Which was <laughs> slightly baffling. But the thing that was hardest is if you are a bread maker or somebody that does a lot of baking, suddenly flour disappeared because our mills were able to still operate. But what wasn't operating were the plants that make the bags small enough to go into the supermarket. So you could order a 20 kilo bag of flour, but you couldn't get a one kilo bag. It meant this bizarre experience of going into a supermarket and getting to the sort of flour, sugar, baking aisle, and it literally being completely empty. And, and I've never seen it like that. That's, that's something that we heard our grandparents talk about during ra- rationing, you know, in the war, t- the war time. Yes. So it was a bit strange. And it, things have started to move again now. So you can get flour and you can get yeast and whatever. But we've also turned into a nation of bakers, I think. We suddenly, everybody's baking. Every morning I get up, if I look on Instagram or whatever, like every other picture is a picture of a sourdough loaf. It's, it's quite extraordinary. It's, I think, a way of people filling in their time, but also that thing of comfort. So that thing of the smell of fresh bread that, of course, you loved from your grandparents' bakery yeah. has, a, has a very grounding feel in the house, yes. Yes. particularly with a pot of coffee on the side. I think, I think a lot of people have found solace in that sort of thing. And it sounds to me like you, you have too, that, that somehow creating a routine with food but where it's healthy has mentally helped you through what has been a very difficult period. It's true. Moving forwards, we're still likely to face a challenging time. Is there anything that you feel you can do to promote your sort of positivity in the coming weeks? Honestly, it's really hard because I guess, I, like you, we, we get cancellations almost every week. And what, what I find very negative is to get cancellations for end of October. And I said, I, I really don't understand this because I would prefer a standby when we don't know anything. I mean, things have moved so much in, in the last, let's say, eight weeks. So we could be also positive and think that in eight weeks further, we'll be fine. But I think the, the, the main danger at the moment is that 
the governments put people in such a position to be scared all the time. People are acting and are doing and calculating everything regarding their fear. And I think when you start to have a whole population who is just scared about everything, about everyone, about the future, about the past, about what could happen, you are in a kind of dictator of, of the soul. Of course, it's dramatic what happened. Of course, it's dramatic for people who have been sick, who have lost people from this COVID, of course. But it's going so far, too far. I try to stay positive, but sometimes I am also influenced by this uh, negativity and this fear around. And even the, 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 the relationship with people have changed. I mean, when you are in the street and just people are just like this, it's, it's, it's terrible. I, I, I don't really understand. When I, I was reading two or three days ago this, uh, this big um, study with the scientific, which have been done by the Wiener Philharmonic, with those doctors saying clearly one meter each musician is absolutely safe. We can just perform. And the Salzburg Festival will start again in August because those studies are very serious and seems very positive. That makes me uh, full of hope. And that, that brings positivity to my mind. Uh, I just hope it will be like a snowball that everyone will just get more confident because of that. Of course, it doesn't mean we shouldn't take care, but it means we, we, must, we must go on somewhere when the virus is down. And I am really scared that more people will be killed by depression, uh, money loose, and, uh, and economic catastrophe than by this virus. So I, I hope it, it, there will be some changes in that way. In spending this time locked down, being more alone is a condition that most professional musicians are, of course, used to. In our professional lives, we travel, we, we spend a lot of time alone. But have you found that you have changed what you listen to as well as what you eat? Yeah, it's very true what you say. We, we, we are supposed to be used to be confined because we spend so many, I mean, how many hours I've spent on this table to study scores? Uncalculable hours of study, but they don't have the same taste. Because when you don't have the taste of liberty, when it's imposed, I, I almost, I mean, I didn't study a lot. Um, first of all, I had to move a house. I mean, it was complicated. So I was, I was busy with normal life, which was unexpected. But I mostly decided to, to use this time to turn the page, to have a, a blank page and try to put some order in my life. So I, I did this kind of working on the mess everywhere, <laughs> that you uh, postponed for 20 years, you know. Uh, so I spent a lot of hours like that, took care of the garden, which I unfortunately usually don't have time. In terms of food and cooking, that was the best thing of, of, this, of those days because I, I really did it with a lot of joy um, uh, in a very wonderful way. And, it, and I must say it was such a great support to have the pleasure of a nice dinner. I, I, I cooked a variety of things. I invent a lot of receipts. All, every day was like an invention. I was going to the market and just putting things. I never made a list. And I just buy what is beautiful and just, what I'm going to do? Oh, I like this, but I should try to combine this and this and that. So that was a, a great comfort. It's funny. I, I, 
I find very difficult to study when you don't have a line. I studied scores and now those things are cancelled and I, I feel so frustrated, even more than if I didn't study. Uh, I find some days very hard uh, to find the motivation. I tried mostly to, was more pleasure to play piano or even to sing a little bit because as a conductor it's also difficult to to just sit in front of the table and not produce any sound, knowing that you don't even know when the sound which is starting to, to be creating your brain will happen one day and you don't know which day and which with which orchestra. Because it made me realize that actually, of course, we, we do everything for the music, but we also do it for certain people. When I prepare a score, if I take some soloists like Jennifer Johnson, I mean, I think about her voice and I think about which tempo would also suit to the color of this voice. Um, as well as uh, when I work with orchestras, I know I will choose the repertoire for, specifically for this orchestra. So to do it like in the air is, is not so much fun. I understand I, that. I feel that's very difficult. I don't know if you felt the same, but... Mm -hmm. I put all my scores away. And feel guilty? No, because I, I have to function. <laughs> I feel guilty. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think that may be where we're different. Because of Notes from Musicians' Kitchens, not least, that's given me a reason to get up in the morning because it's raising money for Help Musicians UK yeah. yes. who are doing extraordinary work in terms of supporting the musical community here. But also... I felt very sad every time I looked at anything where I could have been doing it currently. It, is, it brings a sadness because I think part of our job is, even if we're performing sad music in inverted commas, it still brings joy to an audience. That's the reason they come and watch. So it's a, it's a tricky thing. It's a tricky balance to find in a day a way of motivating artistically because that, I think, is what keeps us all going through our lives. We, we yeah. make huge sacrifices to be in our profession. Yeah. And the thing that makes it worth it is then performing in front of an audience who then show their appreciation because they've loved what they've heard. This exchange of energy yeah. and of emotions is why we sacrifice so many things in our personal life for those moments. And when you have to study, but you don't get those moments, what do you do? But also then I think there's something very sad about seeing photographs of dark theatres as well, and dark concert halls, because they're built as a place of joy. They're built for a celebration of music and everything it has to offer. So it's been a challenge on all sorts of levels, I think. I think many people haven't fully appreciated how they feel yet either because it's been so stressful, because there's been the fear of getting ill or um, losing loved ones. I think it's in the months to come that the, the impact emotionally will be felt even perhaps more than it is currently. We'd all hoped that by now we'd be out in the world again and that there would be some concerts going on and perhaps, you know, things might be starting up again, but it isn't like that. And I think because of the way that our state funding works for the arts, there are already a number of theatres that have gone into bankruptcy. Exactly. And so because of the economic situation, which ha isn't clear yet, we don't even know who will survive financially. It's so multi-layered that I, I've had to say no singing in, unless I have to prepare something, no thinking about it unless I have to, and put one foot in front of the other every day, just make the best of each day that I can. Is that something that you recognise? Yes, 
Yes, uh, I, I, I think I, I, I did a little more about uh, music because I didn't have this project that you created with this kitchen, which was, as you said, uh, helped to get up every morning and to find the motivation and to be useful. Actually, I think at the beginning, I was so down that I, I you know, when I was, I was watching all those artists just uh, posting videos of themselves performing on the, on the social media, I really liked it. I mean, to watch it and... And of course, people asked me to do the same, and I just, I just couldn't do that. I just felt no, no. I am performing for a life, flesh, bodies, um, animals, whatever. But I, I, I just don't want to perform for just a camera. I, I, I need, I need people to listen. Otherwise, I will not do it well. And uh, and I I choose the, to be very discreet and to be um, a bit in the shadow. That's more my reaction to it. Listening to music, though, I think listening and working on music can be two different things. Have you found that you've appreciated silence more than you have listening? Yes, um, and um, and for a while I listened only. There is one radio I like, which is kind of light jazz radio. And I was listening a lot of jazz, which I, I always like jazz, but I don't listen so much. I, I, I am such a total uh, classical music addict. I am completely crazy and I, I could listen to classical music day and night in my brain, in the radio, whatever. And it's the first time of my life for a while I just couldn't listen to any music I know because it was too painful. It was too painful, and that, so I listened a lot of jazz, and also it was bringing a bit of a light spirit in the in the house. And uh, recently, I start again to listen to to my own music, and <laughs> honestly, it it moved me so much. I was I was I had goosebumps. I was crying. I was it was too much again. It was it was hurting like hell. And but it was a wonderful experience because I thought. From our position, we, we try to deliver, to share this music and to bring it alive. We are full of emotions, but we try to not be moved by ourselves, because if we move ourselves, we can't move our audience. But I think it's the first time I really felt what they could feel when we deliver a top performance. So I, I, when, when sometimes you perform and you see people start crying or they come to you after the concert and say, wow, it changed my life. Maybe is it the first time I understand it, really? Because we are always in the other side. And we have those ecstatic moments and we are looking for those moments and we are living for those moments, which are rare, but happening in some performances. Uh, there were some moments like that when we did Beethoven 9 together in Bamberg. I remember this, the ending of the symphony was just something very special. But still, we want to project it. We don't want to keep it for, for ourselves. And uh, it, it was actually a very interesting uh, experience. But I don't know in the next days how I will deal. I, I just um, prepared some CDs I would like to listen again, to feel again in the mood, ready to go. And but what are I, they? Well, th there is lots of chamber music. Uh, there is uh, Oistrak uh, Bach Concertos, just one of my favorite CDs. There is some um, Beethoven quartets. Poor Beethoven birthday. Everyone was scared. <laughs> and so I miss, I miss Beethoven. There is a little singing because um, I don't feel like listening to singing now. Maybe it's I understand too personal. That. It's too personal, but also I think that 
as singers, our brains work very differently. If you add a voice into a, a sound that's coming out of a speaker, suddenly there's a different part of our brains that listen in a almost like a work sense, an yes. analytical sense. Yes. You can't help yourself yeah. but analyse, yeah. um, even on a low level, what, what you're hearing. Whereas for me, certainly, I mean, I, I'm not famous for Bach interpretations the way that you are. I have been able to listen to Bach as a sort of source of comfort, I think because somehow the regularity of the beat and the calmness within his world has an effect on me. And it means that my heart rate dropped like the solo violin partitas because they're so beautiful, but they're not complicated by anything other than one instrument. And there's a joy to that. But even then, I mean, it hasn't been the case that I've wanted that all the time. I, like you, am a massive fan of jazz, and that's where I started. So I've really gone back to all of the stuff that I used to listen to and sing. But it, it's very much a personal journey, I think, in this time yeah. as to what it is that we all require. It's just very interesting that as somebody who I think knows more about classical music than almost anybody else I've ever met, you have chosen to not listen for a while. I think that's an interesting observation of yourself, not least. You know, we have this uh, CD player, uh, radio player in the brain. So when we don't listen to any music, we, we still listen to music all the time. But sometimes it's so disturbing that you need to listen truly to something else than your own brain. And uh, as you said, I, I also listen those. I listen the cello suite from Bach um, or lots of piano because I needed this simplicity. And if, if I was starting to, the f first I started, I wanted to re-listen all the Bruckner symphonies because I'm doing a lot of Bruckner in the next seasons, hopefully. And I couldn't because of this analytic years, it was, it was too much. It was too much for my poor heart. Very interesting. And actually it's proved scientifically that Bach, uh, not only on you, Jennifer, but on everyone brings the pulse of your heart down because it has a completely magical effect to rebalance the energies in the body. They don't even know how. It's like uh, Mozart for the cows in Switzerland. They did the study. Have you heard about that? No. It's incredible. A guy who has cows for the milk, he, he loves classical music and he just noticed he, he put especially Mozart piano concertos. So the cows are listening the Mozart concertos the, the all day around. So when you come to the farm, you hear this beautiful Mozart playing. In one month, he got double quantities of milk than never. Of course, he thought, oh, maybe it's just because. So he stopped the Mozart half. They feel, they feel so well with Mozart that they produce twice the quantity of milk. Isn't that beautiful? That's fantastic. They've tried in many parts of London in the tube stations to play classical music and it seems to stop bad behaviour. So it does work on humans in that sense too, I think. You see? So it, it has the power to do good. I think where people feel so sad is that that power has been removed from our entire profession. Um, and not just our bit of the arts. It's been removed from theatres. It's been removed from anybody who works in film and television. And of course, like all crises, the arts are always the first to be affected and the worst hit. Moving forward, you could choose a piece that you would like to symbolize how we should move forwards, what would you choose? Hmm, I don't know. 
that's quite a hard question to spring on you. Yeah, well, it, I was I was more uh, instinctively thinking of a music which reflects a lot of things I felt those days more than something with hope. But I would say um, if we need some hope, the best appropriate one would be Beethoven 9 because it starts in the darkness and the most drama. It has the devil, it has the anger, and it's coming to light. And the, the, the slow movement brings us to heaven. And the last one brings us to a hope in the humanity uh, positive connection. If I don't look for positivity, I was thinking a lot of those days, uh, I don't know why, but really about Bruckner 7. I was really in, into it. And uh, it was in the CD player in this. <laughs> in your <laughs> head. And other curls. And I was uh, also thinking of beginning of Brahms 1. When I was talking to my musicians, I did it uh, before all this story. And uh, I told them, you know, this beginning for me is like when you wake up in the middle of the night after a terrible nightmare. It's so horrible that you shout. You just do, no, like this. And it should sound like this. And it's coming from your the pain of your old body that you, you just can't believe something like that will happen. And when I saw and all what happened th those days, I still have this beginning of Brahms' first symphonies in my brain, ringing with this pulse and this, this famous nightmare that I was imagining. And now it was a kind of very close from what people are living in nowadays. And also th there were lots of books um, by pure surprise, you, you open a book which looks like science fiction and it's talking about our, our way of living those days. I think it's important that we stay positive, but we also, we also as artists, as all artists, I know we will use all this experience in the best way. I know this will be a food for our interpretations. I know that we won't perform some works uh, with the same feelings than before because all we have lived now all these difficulties and uh, and the, the little joys we, we could have I mean it was a joy also to be home for the first time to it was a joy to discover that I don't have any sleep problem when I'm not traveling <laughs> it was a joy to to be with a part of my family it was a joy to 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 have a normal life which I totally forgot what it was like because it never happened to me since so many years. All of this will be uh, extraordinary. I think that the joy we will have, I just can't imagine the emotion we will have the first time we will be able to perform in a normal way. In the full hall, full of people, full orchestra, soloist, choir, crowds. I'm dreaming of this. The atmosphere that is in the, those buildings, I think the first time that happens, it will be very similar to sort of last night of the proms. The feeling of celebration will be exactly. overwhelming. Exactly. Um, I'm not a huge fan, always, always of Marla 8 because of its scale, but that in many respects will be the piece that will test <laughs> the most whether we are back, if it's possible to do a Marla 8. Yeah. We, yeah. we know we're, we know we're fine. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say about this period feeding our interpretations, feeding our souls. It is the same with food. You have to feed our bodies to feed our souls. 
So there is a huge relationship there between food and music. Great chefs who talk about creating a symphony of taste. And of course, we provide a symphony of sound. And so there is a huge, there's a huge relationship there. Do you feel that your wish to continue to eat the way you are will also continue into this new period? Will you be stricter about what you eat, where you eat, choices you make? Yes, absolutely. I think it's it it now. I it's so important to me, and I feel so much better when I do that. So I will. I am quite a disciplined person, so I will. I will go on with that as much as I can. But I also know that I will have to be relaxed enough to know that it's not always possible. Uh, I will miss it. <laughs> That's something I will miss it at least. And uh, but I totally agree with you. I, I I remember one. I if I remember, it was my first website. I, you know, it was the time on the website we had much more personal um, little stuff on it because there was there was no no Facebook or no not this kind of personal exchange with with people and audience. And I had a little one on gastronomy already. the The first phrase I I wrote myself was, and I still think it, I don't trust someone who doesn't like to eat, and I don't trust, and I don't want to make music with people who don't like good food because they can't be good musicians. <laughs> and when I think about it, I mean that was that was really true. <laughs> you know, I That's quite profound. Yeah, but 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 it's true, and and um, because because it has also an impact on the sound. I mean, if if you if you don't like to taste the beautiful um, uh, red Bordeaux old uh, and try to smell this the quality of the perfume, how can you produce this round beautiful sound? either with your voice or either as a conductor to motivate an orchestra. I remember last time I did the Strauss uh, with, with my orchestra, I couldn't get this. And I, I stopped and I said, just imagine you come in the kitchen and there is a, a beautiful chocolate cake just <laughs> and you smell this chocolate smell. It should sound like this. And then I, I just did the upbeat and the sound was fantastic. <laughs> So the relation, there is such a sensuality in this quality uh, of descriptions. The variety of words that you use to describe a good food can be the same as the colors you describe for the music. And uh, it's so close, so similar and so associate. I totally agree with you. For those listening at home who've been through a very tricky period as we all have is there anything you'd like to say to them all to motivate them to cook better perform better listen better well i i truly believe that um, we are we are in a generation which have not fortunately uh, had to survive a war but this is a kind of a war for clear uh, but still less terrible than people who had to survive for years with, with the true one. Um, and we all know that after a war, after the Second World War, there was an explosion of everything. People were much more happy than ever. The economy went much better than ever. The way people uh, needed to enjoy life, to have fun, to go to dance, to go to concerts, to, to have an orgy of all what they missed was the best. And I truly believe that this will happen as soon as possible, I hope. We all have to focus on this, on the next step. And I, I, and I truly believe it's the most important is take care, but don't 
go deep in the f absolute fear of everything. Because if we start to fear of everything, there is no more joy of living. There is no more possibility to be happy. To be careful doesn't mean to live with fear all the day because we can't survive to that. Thank you to Natalie for joining me and talking about how cooking is a tribute to her grandmother, about cooking healthily with high quality ingredients, about the relationship between food and music and about the magic properties of Bach's music in particular. Also, it was great to hear how she's coped during the current crisis and hear about rejecting fear and retaining hope when everything looks bleak. Please support Notes from Musicians' Kitchens by subscribing to our website, www.notesfrommusicianskitchens.com. It's only a tenner, and every penny is going to help Musicians UK, a great cause. Make sure to tune into the next episode, where I'll be talking to another music professional about what food means to them. Keep an eye on Instagram to discover their identity. Thank you for listening, stay safe, and remember, food is love. <laughs>